0: On June 5, 1900, British soldiers marched down the streets, claiming a city that had previously stood as a symbol of Dutch South African independence.
1: Field Marshal Frederick Roberts smiled at his coming victory as he surveyed his troops. The fledgling Transvaal Republic had been a thorn in Britain's side for decades, but this war to conquer them had lasted less than a year, And now, with the capital in the crown's possession, the fighting was all but done. All
0: Roberts had to do was apprehend the Republic's leader, Paul Kruger, the man who controlled the nation's legendary gold supply.
1: But as soldiers combed the city, Kruger was nowhere to be found. Roberts wasn't surprised.
0: He assumed the president must have fled by train. But that was of little concern. The real prize still awaited him he still had hopes of riches and glory.
1: Until a messenger ran up to him with a sour piece of news. The treasury had been gutted. 1.5 million pounds in gold was missing. Welcome to Gone, a ParCast original. I'm Molly. And I'm
0: Richard. Every other Monday, we examine mysterious disappearances and the theories they spawned. From the Amber Room to Michael Rockefeller, Picasso paintings to the Etruscan language, the Roanoke colony to the lost Russian cosmonaut. If it's
1: gone, we're looking for it.
0: You can find all episodes of Gone and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Gone for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Gone in
1: the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. Today we're
0: looking for Kruger's millions, a fortune in gold coins supposedly stolen and hidden away by the last president of the Transvaal Republic, Paul Kruger. Since its disappearance in 1900, treasure hunters from all over the world have searched for the missing gold. Some have claimed to have found pieces of the treasure, but no one has located the rumored stockpile worth over $200 million today.
1: When the British took over the Transvaal Republic's capital, Pretoria, in the summer of 1900, they expected to find a national treasury full of gold.
0: However, a massive quantity of Transvaal coins, estimated to be worth at least 1.5 million pounds at the time, was unaccounted for. The missing trove became known as the Kruger Millions.
1: There are three prevailing theories about the fate of Kruger's gold. The most popular is that it was buried somewhere in the Veldt, the wide South African plains. However, the specifics of where and when the gold was buried vary within each telling.
0: But some theories extend beyond the Veldt. Kruger may have put the gold on a boat bound for Switzerland, where he fled before the end of the war. And somehow, the treasure was lost stolen or spirited away before reaching
1: Europe. But others question whether the gold exists at all. They claim that the British simply made clerical errors in the chaos of war and overestimated the size of Kruger's stash.
0: But to determine the size of the treasure, we have to examine where it first came from.
1: In 1899, South Africa was divided into many European colonies, but two South African republics maintained their independence, the Orange Free State and the Transvaal Republic.
0: Both were founded by Dutch farmers known as the Boers or Afrikaners. Dutch South Africans remained independent until the British Empire seized control of South Africa in 1806 the Boers resented their new British rulers and rebelled. Decades of political instability ensued while the Boers fought for their freedom.
1: The Afrikaner nations finally won their independence back in the 1850s, and they defended it during the first Anglo-Boer War of the 1880s when they held back British advances.
0: But not long after, the Transvaal Republic discovered that their land was rich with gold. In order to extract it, a massive mining industry sprung up, seemingly overnight. With the influx of ore, the Republic grew its economy and infrastructure. This only made the British desire the Transvaal Republic's
1: land more. So in 1899, the British Empire made a third attempt at conquering the Transvaal Republic. They dispatched thousands of crown troops to South Africa.
0: Though the Boers scored some early victories against the British, they were fighting an uphill battle. The British Empire had the numbers and the resources on their side.
1: So Transvaal's beloved president, Stephanus Johannes Paulus Kruger, or Paul Kruger, hatched a desperate plan. He ordered his soldiers to engage in guerrilla warfare, using their knowledge of the local terrain to outvox their foes.
0: The British responded by arresting the
1: families of any suspected
0: Boer rebels.
1: It quickly became apparent that the Brits outmatched the Afrikaners in every way, including cruelty.
0: As it became clear that the British Crown would retake South Africa, Transvaal advisers pressured President Kruger to destroy the nation's gold mines. That way, Britain couldn't seize them. But Kruger refused. Instead, he redoubled the extraction efforts. He was going to process as much gold as he could before the British could get their hands on it.
1: As the war raged on in the south, miners shipped massive quantities of gold north to the mint in Pretoria. They issued millions of coins, each worth one South African pound. Every single one had the face of Paul Kruger stamped on the front.
0: But even as the capital amassed wealth, the war effort flagged. The Boers lost battle after battle. It wasn't long before the British were marching on Pretoria and closing in on the Mint.
1: On May 29, 1900, President Kruger saw the writing on the wall. He fled the city by train. As the 74-year-old made his escape, Pretoria surrendered, By June 5th, the capital was under British control. But when Field
0: Marshal Frederick Roberts surveyed his victory, he realized the retreating
1: government had gotten the last lap. When the British took the Transvaal Mint, they noticed a large sum of gold was missing from the treasury. Initially, the invaders estimated that 800,000 South African pounds were gone based on the gold mine production logs they'd seized. But after retelling the amounts, the missing treasure totaled roughly 1.5 million pounds in gold coins. That's worth about $200 million today.
0: Nobody was entirely sure what happened to the wealth, but the most obvious answer was that President Kruger had taken it. Though he had fled to Switzerland, Kruger's exiled government continued to wage a guerrilla war, an effort that was perhaps funded by the missing treasure.
1: The Second Boer War, as it would come to be known, raged on for another two years. The British employed a scorched earth policy. Their troops sabotaged railroads, destroyed farms, and even threw civilians into racially segregated concentration camps.
0: But throughout this oppression, the story of the lost gold bolstered the Boers' morale. It was the one last piece of their country that the British Empire couldn't touch.
1: Unfortunately, the harsh battle tactics ultimately crushed the Boer resistance, and the British Empire fully annexed both the Free State of Orange and the Transvaal Republic in 1902. But in spite of their decisive victory, something still eluded the Empire's reach, Kruger's gold. They simply couldn't locate it, in spite of their continued destruction of the countryside.
0: Allegedly, Kruger had told the people of the Transvaal Republic that if the British won the war, he'd bury all the coins in the Veldt, the wide-open plains of South Africa. That way, his people had a shot at reclaiming their wealth.
1: But hiding 1.5 million pounds in gold coins is no small task, which means Kruger probably had help. His guerrilla forces knew the landscape and may have stashed the treasure in the veldt. In fact, a spy named Fritz Hubert Duquesne claimed to have personally buried the gold. And Duquesne's claims
0: bring us to our first theory. The Kruger Millions are buried in the veldt.
1: Fritz Duquesne was a captain in the Boer Army. He was handsome, quick-witted, charming, and could talk his way out of any situation. He'd already escaped from British captivity once, and his guerrilla exploits had earned him the nickname the Black Panther of the Veldt.
0: Perhaps that's why he was allegedly tasked with transporting the Kruger Millions
1: to safety. According to Duquesne and other eyewitnesses, the gold was removed from the Transvaal Mint while the British were marching on Pretoria. Boer soldiers loaded wagon loads of Kruger Pound coins onto a train bound for Mozambique. The train set off, saving the
0: treasure from Britain's clutches, until Duquesne got word that there might be British soldiers along the track ahead. The route was no longer safe.
1: The train came to a stop, and the gold was unloaded and placed into wagons. Duquesne led the wagon train out into the plains, accompanied by a squadron of Boer soldiers and a few native porters. But due to the sensitivity of the mission, Duquesne didn't tell the porters what the wagons carried.
0: But he couldn't keep the secret for long. The curious soldiers investigated their cargo and discovered a massive fortune right at their fingertips. Gold fever soon overtook the Boers soldiers' loyalty to their overrun country. They schemed to steal Kruger's millions for themselves.
1: One night, the desperate soldiers snuck up on Duquesne's bedroll. One of the assailants drew a knife and stabbed Duquesne while he slept.
0: But the blade didn't hit. It slid through what felt like empty cloth. The shocked attacker lifted the blankets revealing nothing beneath.
1: Duquesne had stuffed his bedroll. The real Duquesne stood ready in the darkness, rifle in hand. He fired on his would-be assassins, killing them.
0: The gunshots awoke the other soldiers and the native porters. Confused, they attacked each other. When the dust settled, only two of the soldiers, Duquesne, and his personal porters were still alive.
1: Duquesne realized they could go no further, so he ordered the porters to kill the remaining soldiers and bury the gold. They hid the treasure in a cave near the South African town of Ermelo and were sworn to secrecy. Duquesne allegedly bribed the porters with oxen so they wouldn't try to take the gold for themselves.
0: He determined that if Transvaal won the war, he could simply dig up the gold and return to Pretoria as a war hero. But if they lost, he'd come back and claim it for himself.
1: The landmarks should have made it easy enough to find the city of Ermelo, the cave, and a nearby saltwater lake.
0: In the meantime, Duquesne disguised himself as a British officer and vanished, leaving the treasure out in the plains, waiting
1: to be found. Up next, Duquesne's plan to return for Kruger's gold hits a snag. And now, back to the story.
0: Toward the end of the Second Boer War in 1900, South African President Paul Kruger hoarded the Transvaal Republic's gold, minting as many new coins as possible. He wanted to keep 1.5 million pounds in gold out of British hands and allegedly dispatched a Boer man named Fritz Duquesne to bury the treasure in the South African veldt.
1: When the Boers lost the war, Duquesne vowed to return and take the wealth for himself, but it wasn't meant to be. In 1901, he was captured by British forces. He was held in a series of prison camps until 1902, when he managed to pose as an American and escape.
0: But his life remained colorful. Later, Duquesne moved to the United States and became President Roosevelt's shooting instructor. But in 1914, he immigrated to Germany to fight for the Axis powers in World War I. And by the time World War II rolled around, he was a fully-fledged Nazi spy.
1: But while Duquesne rubbed elbows with presidents and shaped the course of world events, he never made it back to South Africa. He died in 1956, leaving his porters as the only people who knew the true location of the gold.
0: Whether the porters ever returned for the gold remains unknown, but a series of reports from Duquesne's lifetime suggests they didn't, and that while Duquesne was spying for the Nazis, the gold may have been uncovered by someone else.
1: Or rather, several someone else's. The first were apparently a pair of Afrikaner brothers who ran a cattle farm near Ermelo, a South African city about 140 miles from Pretoria and right in the middle of the Veld. In 1921, the brothers were in dire financial straits, but that was about to change. Digging
0: an irrigation ditch, they happened upon a box filled to the brim with Kruger pounds. The brothers immediately retired saying they'd received an inheritance from Uncle Paul.
1: Over the next few decades, a series of homesteaders in the Veldt inexplicably amassed mysterious fortunes. Many struggled to put food on their table one day, but the next, they could suddenly afford herds of sheep and cattle. Nearly all of them lived near where Fritz Duquesne had reportedly hidden Kruger's millions, in the Veldt, close to a saltwater lake outside of the town of Ermelo.
0: Nobody at the time looked into this strange financial boom, but in retrospect,
1: it rings suspicious. It's natural to assume the homesteaders had uncovered Kruger's gold, but their finds represented only a fraction of the missing 1.5 million pounds. These were small sums, enough to make the finders comfortable, but not enough to raise eyebrows at the time it stood to reason that much of Kruger's gold remained hidden in the veldt.
0: That was certainly the thinking of Afrikaner H.J. Lessing in 1947. Lessing's father had been a soldier in the Second Boer War. Before he died in battle, he'd gifted a Bible to his son. Hand-stitched into the cover was a treasure map.
1: For years, Lessing had been skeptical of the map and its directions to a hidden treasure. But now that he was getting older, he finally decided to investigate. He reeled in a friend, and they followed the map's instructions, driving to a region close to the border of Swaziland. As they drew near the indicated spot, they stopped the car and got out.
0: They walked several paces, carrying a spade, a pick, and the map still sewn into the Bible. When they hit what appeared to be the spot, The pair began digging.
1: Suddenly, Lessing's pick struck something metallic. After a shocked pause, he and his friend redoubled their efforts. A few frantic minutes of sweaty digging later, they hauled up a heavy box.
0: When they dusted it off, their jaws fell open. It was an old ammunition box filled with decomposing banknotes and coins all bearing the face of Paul Kruger.
1: Lessing deposited his precious finds with a bank in Johannesburg. He told the newspaper of his newfound fortune, an amount he said could buy several motor cars. The press was thrilled. The Kruger millions had been found. However, there was a problem.
0: Lessing's fortune was nowhere near the 1.5 million pounds. Maybe he'd found a separate, isolated cache that his father had secreted away. Or maybe the Kruger millions had been spread out over separate sites, including those found by the earlier homesteaders.
1: If that's the case, it's supported by another treasure find about 20 years later in the 1960s.
0: A family of Zulu farm workers, whom we'll call the Keles, spied some white treasure hunters digging on their employer's land. Curious, they waited for the diggers to head off to church, then investigated. The Keles were astounded to find thousands of Kruger pounds. They hurriedly fetched every container they had—cans, jars, pitchers— and filled them all with the precious coins.
1: However, they realized that they had a problem on their hands. Not only did they have a weak claim to gold found on their employer's land, but they were black people living under apartheid.
0: So for the time being, the Kellys decided to hide the gold.
1: In a strange twist of fate, an old man had recently passed away in their village. The Kelly family stashed their newfound wealth in his fresh grave. And not
0: a moment too soon, because the white treasure hunters soon found out that someone had disturbed their dig site. Fuming with rage, they stormed the township, searching for the robbers.
1: They kicked down doors and threatened everyone they saw. However, no one would tell them anything about the hidden gold.
0: Incensed, the white men grabbed the Kelle's daughter.
1: They took her outside and publicly whipped her in the middle of the town. But even in the face of brutality, no one would talk. The treasure hunters left seething. Though the Kellys' attackers were never punished, they also never saw an ounce of gold.
0: The treasure became the Kelly family's closely guarded secret. For decades, they didn't know what to do with the coins. But in the early 1990s, the political landscape changed in South Africa. Most importantly, the nation began repealing apartheid, the racist laws that made it too risky for the Kelley family to own the Kruger coins. Now that things were a little safer, they decided to open up about their secret. In
1: 1999, one of the Kelley's descendants sought financial advice from a white, air businessman named Athel Stark.
0: Stark's ears perked up when the young man mentioned the family's wealth. He arranged a meeting with the entire Kelley family.
1: When they assembled in the Kelley's living room, Stark was amazed to watch them pour dozens of coins from different containers, all bearing the face of Paul Kruger. But he made a mistake when he picked one up to examine it. Plagued by memories
0: of the treasure hunters' violence, the Kelley's lashed out. They kicked Stark out of their home. He was sure that he'd never hear from them again.
1: But two weeks later, the Kellys called him back to reconsider their arrangement. Stark agreed to help them sell a few hundred coins, and they paid him a handful of coins in thanks. Stark now owned 42 genuine Kruger pounds, worth about $60 each.
0: The payment left Stark with a taste for riches, and he began a hunt for the remaining gold. Stark pored over historical accounts of how Kruger's millions had gone missing. He cross-referenced them with what the Kellys told him about their family's initial discovery. With a friend of their family, he journeyed into the Saltwater Lake to find more treasure.
1: The friend, in turn, brought along a local mystic, Stark didn't mind, especially if it meant he'd have help in his search. Apparently, that was the right call, because they located another box filled to the brim with Kruger gold pieces.
0: Stark and his companions brought the box back to his house. There they counted the coins on a
1: tablecloth,
0: and sure enough, there were thousands upon thousands of them.
1: Stark's wife came into the room and eagerly took a picture of the gold. That agitated his companions. They hadn't made a deal with Mrs. Stark, and they didn't trust her. On top of that, they didn't know who she might share the pictures with.
0: They swiftly bagged up all the gold and drove away. Stark was left with only the 42 coins the Kelley family had given him as commission for helping with the sale.
1: The Starks were devastated. They'd come so close to untold riches, then had lost it for a seemingly minor slight. They tried to contact the pair of Zulus to renegotiate, to no avail.
0: But if the legends of the Kruger Millions were to be believed, the cash Stark had found was only the tip of the iceberg. And he knew exactly where to look for more. Best of all, he, the two men he'd gone treasure hunting with, and the Kelley family were the only people who knew about it. So he was in no rush to return to the stash. Much like Fritz Duquesne, he could wait until a more convenient
1: time. A few years passed. Stark kept his secret. His friends never heard about his close brush with Kruger's treasure, but they knew that he was interested in historical relics. So it was unsurprising when, a few years later, a friend showed him a stone pillar they'd found with Kruger's face on it.
0: In early 2001, Stark invited the South African Broadcasting Company for an exclusive interview about the rare find. Unfortunately, the media had ulterior motives.
1: It's unclear how the reporter knew about the uncovered Kruger coins, but they surprised Stark by asking about them. Stark told them to shut the cameras off, but even that was too much of a tell. Everyone who watched the broadcast knew Stark had a secret, the location of Kruger's millions. By June
0: 2001, Ermelo was overrun by treasure hunters and media personalities, all enamored with the idea of a hundred-year-old buried treasure. But instead of seeing them as competitors, Stark decided to use the
1: situation to his advantage. He hired security and set up a tent near the public property around the Saltwater Lake. He advertised a treasure hunting weekend. In late summer of 2001, people paid him a fee to dig near where he'd first found the gold. Unsurprisingly, the event was a media sensation. A local paper, The Citizen, dubbed it the biggest treasure hunt in South African history.
0: In the first few hours, fortune seekers found a few Kruger pounds buried in the earth close to the lake. This whipped the remaining treasure hunters into a frenzy. They all eagerly kept digging, each hoping to strike it rich.
1: But after two more days of searching, no more coins were found. The rest of the treasure seekers left Ermelo disappointed. Athel Stark sold his 42 Kruger pounds and left the mystery behind.
0: But he couldn't shake the feeling that there were even more Kruger coins out there somewhere. The area around Ermelo had been scoured and searched, and only 4,000 coins had been found, most of them by the Kelley family
1: which suggests that the rest of the treasure is still out there, over a million gold coins.
0: But skeptics have pointed out some holes in Stark's accounts, and Duquesne's. There may be more to the story, and maybe Kruger's millions weren't on the veldt at all. Perhaps they weren't even in South Africa, because they were at the bottom of the ocean.
1: Up next we investigate whether the treasure sank or if it ever existed at all. And now back to the story.
0: After a few Kruger coins were unearthed in the South African veldt, many suspected that the rest of the missing treasure was buried out in the plains. The Kellys, a family of Zulu laborers, supposedly found much of the treasure and revealed the story to a white businessman named Athol Stark in 1999.
1: But there are some elements of the Kelly's story that don't add up. Stark found it strange that they'd objected to his wife taking a picture of the coins and hadn't even let them handle them.
0: And then there was the stunt with the witch doctor. Maybe his guide had insisted on bringing a companion because he'd distract Stark. After all, Stark hadn't gotten a good look at the unearthed treasure because he'd been so focused on the witch doctor's elaborate divination
1: ritual. It's possible that the Kellys were running an elaborate scam. With Stark as a go-between, they hoped to con collectors into buying fake gold, then vanished.
0: Stark allegedly earned a 42 Kruger pound commission for the sale. But he's never produced those coins or had them authenticated meaning maybe he was in on it. After all, he made plenty of money selling tickets to his treasure hunting weekend. He could have bought a couple of gold coins from collectors, pretended he'd found them on the veldt, and then duped countless naive treasure seekers.
1: Murray Williams, with South Africa's independent online news network, suggested a less nefarious plot. Athel is an Aramelo town councilman and the head of the Tourism Bureau. He might have invented the story of discovering gold to attract treasure hunters to the town. He wasn't trying to rip anyone off. He just wanted to spark interest in a local legend.
0: But if the Kellys and Athel Stark never found Kruger's fortune, that meant the stash was still out there somewhere. And it probably wasn't in the veld, or at least not in the region of the Veldt near Ermelo.
1: Which means maybe the treasure isn't underground at all. And perhaps the man who buried the treasure, Fritz Duquesne, was lying.
0: Duquesne had a strange life. After he realized that the Boer War was lost, he snuck out of South Africa and made his way to the United States. There, he was known for elaborate tales about his exploits. He became a minor celebrity, worked for the president, and made thousands of dollars on lecture tours.
1: When World War I broke out, he joined the Germans in the fight against the British, who he still hated after the Boer Wars. Later, he became loyal to the Nazi Party and formed a spy ring during World War II. Along the way, he continued to spin yarns. Through his
0: transition from South African war hero to Nazi spy, Duquesne remained in the spotlight. His biography makes for a captivating tale, but it may have been made up.
1: Duquesne's military service in South Africa is well documented, but other parts of his biography have been disputed. For example, he took credit for sinking the HMS Hampshire in 1916 According to Duquesne, he was on the ship and sent a signal to a nearby German submarine, revealing the Hampshire's location.
0: He managed to board a lifeboat and row a safe distance away right as the submarine fired on the ship, killing nearly everyone aboard.
1: For his espionage efforts, he received a German Iron Cross. However, most historians today
0: agree that the HMS Hampshire struck an underwater mine. As for the Iron Cross, there's no record that Fritz Duquesne ever received the recognition. That doesn't prove he lied. The documentation could have been
1: lost or destroyed. But after the war, he faked paralysis for two years to avoid extradition to Great Britain. So we're not inclined to take Duquesne at his word.
0: His accounts should at least be taken with a grain of salt. And since Duquesne is the main source for the theory that the Kruger Millions were buried in the Veldt, that means we have to look elsewhere.
1: In 1919, the New York Times suggested that maybe the treasure made it to Mozambique, where the Borers loaded it onto a boat, the Dorothea. It may have held up to $3 million worth of Kruger's lost treasure.
0: But the Dorothea sank off the eastern South African coast during the Second Boer War between 1899 and 1902. We don't know exactly when it sank or why, because there are no official records of the ship's travels. And all the cloak and dagger around its final journey leads credence to the theory that the Dorothea was secretly transporting Kruger's millions.
1: The British dispatched the Penguin to investigate the wreck in 1904, but rough seas doomed this salvage attempt. The Penguin sunk too, and the secrets of the Dorothea remained out of British reach. In spite of numerous
0: follow-up expeditions, no Kruger gold was ever retrieved off the coast of South Africa. Treasure seekers dredged ivory, silver, and copper ingots, but absolutely no gold.
1: Which leads us to think, the Dorothea probably wasn't carrying Kruger's treasure. The claim that the millions were lost at sea is compelling, but ultimately there's no hard evidence to support it.
0: Perhaps the Kruger gold isn't at the bottom of the ocean, because it isn't anywhere at all. Our third theory is perhaps the least romantic, that the Kruger millions simply don't exist.
1: Some historians say that the Transvaal gold mines couldn't possibly have minted 1.5 million Kruger pounds. They say that Kruger's hoard could have only been 800,000 pounds at the most.
0: But the war made things incredibly chaotic in Transvaal, and bookkeeping fell by the wayside. As the Boer government was uprooted, numbers were fudged and sums weren't double-checked. But when the British came, They took the federal ledger
1: as fact. The legend of the millions started as a clerical error, which became an urban legend and then a myth. People kept retelling it because it was a good story. The defeated Boers wanted to believe they'd bested the Brits in the end. But if the legend was born out of poor accounting, how do we explain the treasure hunters like H.J. Lessing, who uncovered Kruger Pounds?
0: Well, some aspects of Lessing's tale are hard to take at face value. Take the map stitched into his Bible. There wasn't any proof that it existed. And even if it did, we don't actually know where it really led them. For all we know, Lessing picked a random place out in the wild to make his claim and already had the coins in his possession.
1: If the story has any truth to it, the money that H.J. Lessing's father buried was probably a small amount that he'd saved up for his family. Since every gold coin in Transvaal had Kruger's face on them, there's no way to distinguish between Kruger's millions and any other stash of money.
0: And personal caches could explain a lot of the other gold finds as well. Maybe when the Transvaal Republic fell, the South African Plains seemed safer than banks. Or perhaps people couldn't carry their money when they fled their homes, so they left it behind. Alternatively,
1: Kruger might have smuggled some money out of the Transvaal Republic, then had it distributed among his generals so no single person could ever find it all. As the Boer army retreated from Pretoria, they further divided the gold amongst ordinary soldiers, Then, over the years, these smaller sums were lost or spent.
0: The problem is, there's no hard evidence to prove that the Kruger's millions were passed around. There's no hard evidence to prove any of our theories.
1: In our research, we encountered many stories and contradicting facts, as well as urban legends. People debate the value of Kruger's fortune, ranging from 800,000 pounds to over 3 million pounds. Even the timeline of Kruger's flight to Europe is disputed.
0: In all of these stories, chaos reigns supreme. When their homes are about to be seized, people scramble for their survival. Ordinary record-keeping goes out the window. Tracking gold coins just isn't a priority.
1: Which means the truth is probably messy. If a trove was buried, it's probably not a single large stash. In all likelihood, the fabled Mother Lode doesn't exist. And maybe
0: that doesn't actually matter. Kruger's millions represent something bigger than a buried treasure. They're a symbol of an unconquered nation, a last rebellion that ensured the British couldn't seize all of the Boers' wealth.
1: And so long as the coins stay hidden and so long as there's a chance that they might exist somewhere on the veld, the people of South Africa can be assured that their history remains their own.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Gone. We'll be back next week with a short Gone bite on Spotify, and back everywhere else the week after.
1: You can find more episodes of Gone and all other Parcast Originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify
0: already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite Parcast Originals like Gone for free from
1: your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream GONE on Spotify, just open the app and type GONE in the search bar.
0: And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. We'll see you next time.
1: Just because it's GONE doesn't mean it can't be found.
0: GONE was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. Executive producers include Max and Ron Cutler, sound design by Mike Ramos with production assistance by Ron Shapiro Carly Madden and Travis Clark This episode of Gone was written by Matthew Teamstra with writing assistance by Maggie Admire and stars Molly Brandenburg and Richard Rostner.